Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to continue on with a discussion that we, that we began a few weeks ago um, out of a message that I titled Fulfilled, and it's out of the Sermon on the Mount. And... Uh, when, when Jesus came in full f- and spoke about him being the fulfillment of the law. And it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those great um, parts of Scripture that we avoid or we, or we just attach things to around the law and grace and all these things. And, and we, um, it's, worth, it's definitely worth a listen if you, you know, as a preamble to this one if you hadn't had the chance. And we mentioned this couple of statements that I just want to start with. And one of them is that there is no distinction between the Word of God and the person of Jesus. There is no distinction. Because Jesus is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know? And he, there is no, also that, that when it comes to the law and the prophets, that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets' meaning. That means he lived in perfect union with the law. The only one ever to fulfill the obligations of the law perfectly. And he was the exact, he was the exact embodiment of the prophets' messages. So Jesus, if if anyone was going to fulfill the law, it had to be Jesus and it could only be Jesus. And we start there, you know, we we start there and then we flow on further into this sermon today. The Sermon on the Mount, it's it's Jesus' key address. Uh, I was at a political function on on, um, on Friday night and there were were a bunch of um, politicians all uh, fighting over the microphone to to address people. And uh, they, they did okay. And uh, they, you know, they, they, they did okay, but they, what they said was no Sermon on the Mount. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's some speeches in history, but let's remember this. The Sermon on the Mount is not Jesus' keynote address. It's the keynote address for all time, for all people. Let's remember, you know, if you're looking to hear what Jesus is saying, why don't you start with the Sermon on the Mount? You know, he unpacks it with the Beatitudes. And he says, you know, this is, what a, this is what someone's life in the kingdom looks like. And then he goes on, if you're looking for purpose, well, look, let's talk about salt and light and cities on a hill and lamps and those sorts of things. And then you go, well, what about the law? How do we deal with the law? Well, here's the thing. I've fulfilled the law. Unless your righteousness is greater than the scribes and the Pharisees, then, you know, you're, you're, um, you're in trouble. So he, got, he, 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 he helps us navigate life. And he doesn't just, he doesn't neglect anything. He, he doesn't just say, look, the law's out and grace is in. He says, no, no, the law's not out. In fact, the law, not one jot or tittle will be removed until, that which, till, the end of, you know, till the end of days. And, and he goes on and says, okay, but this is what it's about. It's, a, it's about relationship. It's about substance with me. And let's, let's talk today a little bit further. Because we, after that, Jesus says this statement six times. He says, you have heard that it was said. And he refers to something that was said about the law. And then he says this, but I say this. You have heard that it was said. And he talks about some aspect of, the, of, of how the law was, was discussed. And then he says, but I say this. And it's an amazing thing that I think that, that, that we need to understand because um, and, and we'll unpack that further right now. But let's turn right now to Matthew chapter 5, 21 to 24. Jesus speaking. He says this. He says, You have heard it said that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. 
And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift, therefore, before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. I just want to point out a few things. I want to unpack this a little bit for us this morning. And I think it's, it's definitely worth noting that Jesus, what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, as you know, from the law or from the Torah. He says, you have heard it said. It's very important. It's not, and to, to me, Jesus is not pointing out something that's necessarily a bad thing because, you know, the, the, the way that the Jews passed on, you know, the, the, the law and the Torah and, the, and all those things was verbally. Um, so it's not necessarily, it's via speech and stories. And, and another amazing thing was that they say it was in the time of Babylon that the, that the, the Jewish people, that the Hebrews lost their language. They lost the language of Hebrew. So then from that point on, you know, they were reliant upon the scribes and the Pharisees to bring and, to, and interpret the law in their modern language. So Jesus is saying, he's, and I think it's important that he says, um, you have heard that it was said, you know, and he talks about murder. But he's, he's, saying, he's saying, he doesn't refer to it as exactly what God said. He's saying, you have heard it, you've heard through other people what they believe my law is about. He's saying, but I say to you this. It's such an important distinction because, um, you know, so much of our lives, we have a secondhand connection to God's word, don't we? You have heard it said through, through Pastor Christian or Pastor Kristen or whoever, or Elder Matthias. Wasn't the grand Elder Matthias an amazing, uh, amazing message last week? You know, I, I encourage you, if you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, you need to grasp, grasp what he said and, and be encouraged and let it challenge you uh, deeply. See, Jesus is, I believe Jesus is challenging us and he was challenging them today that it's time we move from a second-hand connection to a first-hand connection with his word. Remember, there is no distinction between the person of Jesus and the word of God. There is no distinction. So when Jesus says, but I say to you, he is literally declaring the word of the Lord. You have heard it said, but what does God say? You've heard it said, but what does God say? You know, 500 odd years ago, before the Reformation uh, of the church, um, you know, priests would get up and they would read the scripture in Latin to people who don't speak Latin and then explain it or unpack it to them in their own language. So they didn't, when they, they didn't actually hear scripture in their own language, they heard it in another language. And left, if you were prepared to learn Latin, you could understand the scriptures. But if you, if you didn't, you had to sort of just listen to the interpretation or the exposition or the expounding of those scriptures afterwards. And then Martin Luther came along and said those famous words, solo scriptura, where we, where we say, look, we need to make sure that first and foremost, we build everything on what God has said not the way that we've unpacked what God has said. And then at that point, one of the great things that the Reformation did is it, is it began the process of putting a Bible in the hands of every believer. Now look, teachers are vital to our growth. They're a gift of God, but they're not enough. We must actually have the Word living within us. 
It's, it's vital for, it's vital for our, our ability to, to filter life. You know, the, 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 the writer of Hebrews says, you know, the, the, you know, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide soul from spirit. You know, we understand that we must have the word of God in us so that we can, we can realise when we're getting caught in something that's, you know, that's soulish or spiritual. When, we get, well, when someone's speaking, we can hear them bringing in an, an earthly agenda or a heavenly agenda. And I think Jesus is, is clearly pointing it out to us today. And we, you know, we get, we today, you know, at the other end, 500 years after Bibles were put in the hands of believers, we have the Bible everywhere. It's, it's available everywhere. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, on every, it's, it's on every digital device you can get a hold of. There's even some people who carry around what I call a single function device, which is, which is the actual paper Bible. Anyone got a single function device, Bible? You know what I love about this type of Bible is, um, you know, when you pick it up, um, other than propping up one of the legs of the table, pretty much you're engaging in the Word of God. When you pick up your phone and you're reading the Bible, what can happen while you're reading the Word of God is you get a very important text message from your husband or wife or your daughter or your son or your friend um, declaring something else very important. Single function device. Today we have, we have access to the Word, but there's a problem, isn't there? The Word's too hard, it's too old, it's the, the language is too hard to understand, you know, it's too dry, it's too long. There's many reasons why we don't listen to the Word. So what do we do? We've heard about the Word. You know, we've heard it through all these different people. We've heard it through Andy or through Chris or through TD or through Joyce or through Kristen or Christian or Matt. We've heard it through all of these, all of these amazing people. But what does Jesus say? You've heard it said through Josh this morning, but what is God saying? It's very important that we answer that question because Jesus, he doesn't just say it once, six times he says, you have heard it, that it was said to those of old, you shall not do this or this. He says, but I say to you. Before we even get into the text, it's very important that we, that we grasp something so that we don't do what the Pharisees and the scribes did. We don't get caught in the letter of the law we get caught in the intent and the substance of the person of Jesus. Because in Jesus, there is no distinction. You see, the intent of the law is not to tick the 10 boxes and get on with your day, is it? Phew, I didn't murder anybody today. I know Kristen says that about her children at the end of every day. It is not about ticking the box. It's not about Jesus saying, don't get caught in the box ticking. He said, you know, the intent or the spirit of the law is that it draws you to relationship with the Father. I love 2 Corinthians 3, 4 to 6. It says this, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Such an important thing for us to grasp, isn't it? You know, the the scribes and the Pharisees had the appearance of being sufficient in the law, in themselves, because they seemed to fulfill the law. They seemed to follow the law so well, almost to the letter of the law. Okay, verse 21 says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. So why is this a problem? 
God gave the law. In the law, it says you shall not murder. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it all seems uh, legitimate. Why is Jesus saying, you've heard it said you shall not murder? And then he's saying, but I say something different. Why is Jesus challenging it? I want to suggest to you today that the teachers of the day, and when I refer to the teachers of the day, I also include all of us in that, is we tend to take something that God has said and reduce it to the transactional version of what he said, not the spiritual intent of what was behind it. We tend to do that. We go, look, it's, it's very simple. You know, it, um, you, know all, you, you don't murder because if you do murder, you'll face judgment. So the only reason not to murder is because uh, if you do, you're in trouble. You know, and I, and I think we don't, I don't believe that when, when, you know, when God um, gave the, the Ten Commandments to Moses that he was, he was tr- in, in essence trying to pass on a transactional agreement with his people. He was trying to show them a framework of his intention that, you know, if you do, um, if, if, you know, within this framework, you will learn to love one another. And then we flow. And then when the Holy Spirit's given to us and when we walk according to the things of the Spirit against such, there is no law. Does the law cease to exist? It, no, the, not one jot or tittle will be removed from the law. So what does it mean? It means that when we, you know, the law is a great framework until you walk in the love of God. And once you walk in the love of God, then the law has, the, the law is, is, has no, there's no need to follow it because you're walking according to the nature of God, not the framework of the commands. Make sense? And this is where we see the beauty of our statement around, around Jesus. You know, there is no distinction between the word of God and the person of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus embodied the law. And it's very difficult to look at Jesus' life. You can't reduce a person to, you know, to an action and a consequence. You can't, you know, if you're a, if you're a, judge, if you're a judge in society today, it's interesting that, you know, that, that a judge, when, when, when there's a conviction in the court of law, there is a, there's a range of penalty. Because the judge doesn't just assess whether it did or didn't happen. He also looks at the intent and the person and the upbringing and the history and the mental state and all these different things. It's important that we understand that that life in the kingdom is not a transaction. It's a relationship. And when Jesus points out the law, when he fulfills the law, and when he unpacks these things, he's saying, look, it's not a transaction. It's a relationship. And if you'll embrace the relationship side of what I'm saying, you, will, you won't need to, to tick the 10 boxes every day. You will be able to just walk in love. And if you walk in love, those things will not be a problem to you. Because against such things, there is no law. Jesus says about faith, he says, if you have a mustard seed, you know, a mustard seed side of faith, which is a very small seed, which grows into a very huge plant in the garden, you know, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it will be cast into the sea. Jesus, Jesus he, he declares that in the positive. But then here we see the other side of that double-edged sword, doesn't he? When he says, but I say to you, if you have a mustard seed of faith, you can do great things. And then let's reverse and say, but I say to you, Whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. Whoever, and who knows that you are not a great cause? 
Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So if your cause is that you're feeling offended, if your cause is that, is that that person stepped in front of you in the line or that person's becoming notoriety or that person got to sing on Sunday and I didn't or that, you know, or, or you know, what, what about this? That's not a cause. A cause must be eternal. If you're angry with your brother without a cause, you shall be danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka. Now, Raka is a, is a word that simply means you're worthless. If you say to, some, if you say to someone that, they, that, so the first one is about, um, you know, it's about how you approach someone. The second one is what you, what you declare about someone. If you, you know, if you say to your brother, you are worthless, you'll be in danger of the council. And whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Jesus is saying, he's showing us the pathway that leads to murder. And he's saying murder is just the eventual, um, you know, the eventual place that we end up when we don't deal with being angry without a cause. And if we're angry without a cause and we don't address it, you know, we, we start to see people as worthless. We do not value these people anymore. When you, you do, every person in this room and every person on this planet was created in what? In the image of God. So when you say that anybody is worthless, what are you saying? You're saying that the image of God is not in them or the image of God doesn't, is, is sporadic in its value. So we, you know, we, but we decline there. We don't start there, do we? We get caught in our own journey, our own agenda, and then we end up saying someone's worthless. And then the, and in the end, we start to dismiss people. We call people a fool. It starts with our heart starts with the cause that's in us or the lack of, of real cause. And then we step into this place of, of declaring worth on different people. You know, and then we end up in accusation to each other. And what's the enemy called? The enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. So when we accuse one another, when we call people, you know, what are we doing? You know, we're, we are, in essence, working for the wrong side, aren't we, at that point? So Jesus is very clear. He's saying, you know, we, and why do we have a bad, why do we have a wrong cause? Because probably we just feel rejected by something. Or we don't see value in others. You know, all these show the pathway that ends up in hellfire. You know, to work with children in this country, um, the, the government has a standard called the blue card standard. And uh, if you've got a blue card, uh, you, you can work with, with um, young people. Now, to get a blue card, it's, um, it's quite interesting because it means you have not been convicted of anything untoward. And uh, what do you think about that as um, the one condition for someone working with your children? They tick the box. They haven't been convicted of anything untoward. They haven't murdered anybody. Great. Can you babysit my children? It's not how it works, is it? Jesus says, he's saying, don't get caught in not murdering people being enough. It's not enough. We don't want, you know, we, I, when Christian and Eliza came and, and talk, you know, we talked about coming on board, I said, have you murdered anyone? Christian said, no. Eliza said, I thought about it and, <laughs> with Christian. And, and so he said, beautiful, great, come on board. That's all I needed to know. Jesus, he's saying, don't get caught in the letter. Why does the letter kill? The letter kills because we think once we've ticked the box, we can do anything we want up until that box. Don't get caught in that space. Jesus is saying that the pathway to murder starts with you just simply feeling angry towards someone without a real decent cause. 
when we rest in the letter of the law, we'll never discover the true spiritual meaning of it. So how do we address this in our own hearts and minds? Well, verse 23 says this, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. You know, Jesus is reminding us here that that, that that command not to murder doesn't mean we don't murder. It actually means we must take positive steps to put things right with our brothers and sisters. And your life really is, you know, your life is, it, it, it is your gift. You know, when you bring an offering, when you bring your, a talent, when you bring your time, you know, what do they represent? They represent an increment, a small amount of the whole of you. So your gift is a representation of you, isn't it? It's a representation of, of um, you know, of the gifts God's given you, the, uh, the, the, the fruits of your hard labour, all those sorts of things. So when Jesus says, you can, you, you know, you, you can actually uh, keep on living, but you're going to get into strife at some point. And I, look, it's something, I've asked Kristen if I can tell this story. And um, a couple of weeks ago, Kristen's um, backing out of, the driveway in her car, and uh, she clipped one of the mirrors on the side of the um, of the garage. Easy mistake, I'm sure it's happened to to um, some other ones of you as well. And smashed the mirror. And uh, unfortunate, you know what I mean. Here's the thing: she could still drive, she could still go where she needed to go, and um, and that was fine. So we ordered a new mirror, and it was going to take a week. For the, mirror, for the new mirror to come so that we could fit it. And the problem that she had from that point on was that she could not see uh, easily down that side of the car. So it would have require her to either get out of the car or lean over and, and get past the blind spots in the car that the mirror um, uh, sold. And that's all good. She kept driving around, doing life. That was fine. Two days later, she's backing out of the driveway with no mirror. And because she didn't have that mirror and she's so used to doing life that way normally... She backed down and uh, smacked into the uh, mailbox on the way out. And uh, it was a delightful couple of days for, for the family. And um, it's, an, it's an amazing thing, isn't it, that, uh, that the two, the two um, incidents could not be more related. And when Jesus, you know, when Jesus says to us, um, you know, make sure that you deal with the anger without a cause. He's saying what happens when you don't deal with anger without a cause is you leave yourself blind in that area until you fix it. You know, we're all vulnerable to bumping into the letterbox when we can't see out of our rear vision mirror, aren't we? Because it's, it's a blind spot, it's a literal thing. We literally cannot see down that side of the car. So what we, what we do is we, we, uh, we trust our instincts, but our instincts aren't enough anymore because we don't realise how our peripheral vision works, does it? And when your peripheral vision isn't working, it's a problem, isn't it? It's a problem because you, things come into your world that you would, you would have seen coming in the past, but you now no longer see. And I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus is pointing this out. He's saying to you know, you know, he's saying when we try to live while carrying offence or damage, we become vulnerable to further decay. 
You know, what happened? You know, Kristen's fine. But the car, you know what I mean? The car's got bits hanging off it everywhere now because... <laughs> because one little offence, one little piece of glass broke and made her vulnerable to now it looks like, you know what I mean? It looks like they, they might put a red sticker on it every time she parks it anywhere in a car park. <laughs> this could happen to any of us. In fact, it happens to all of us, doesn't it? We laugh about it because it's a car. But when an offence comes to our heart or to our mind or, or you know, when we allow something, when we, when we get angry without a cause, now let me just say this. A lot of times we think we've got a right cause, but God's saying, no, no, that's not a cause. The cause is, is you know, that all men shall be saved. You being first in line, you being acknowledged, you being not rejected. These aren't causes that Jesus is talking about. He's saying, I want you to, I, you know, if you're going to be angry, make sure, you know, when Jesus was angry, you know, when he, when, he came, when he tipped the tables over in the temple, we love saying that one because it gave us permission for all time to have our righteous anger. Let's tip, you know, every time someone does something we disagree with, I, I, you know, or I don't, you know, get my vision doesn't get to, to, be, to be imparted or lived out. You know, we, we think that's a cause. Jesus is saying, Let's, is it eternal? Is it eternal, church? And if it's not, then if, and we don't rate it in, guess what? It turns into us declaring someone else not valuable. And a lot of times the way we declare someone not valuable is we stop communicating or spending time with that person. We don't always say it. We're in the, we're in the, you know, the passive-aggressive era of life where you know, we, we vote with our presence. We don't, you know, and it's a, it's a difficult thing for us to manage. And if we're going to be this, commun- this communion of saints that those great old creeds like the Apostles' Creed talk about, you know, we, we're going to have to deal with these things as they come up because it's our love for one another that is our greatest gift to the world. You know, we're about to take communion right now. And this is the perfect time for us to acknowledge these things. It's the perfect time for us to examine ourselves and, and ask God to, to remind us of those areas. So why don't we do it? Why don't we take our communion? Let's join together at the table of Jesus and all those who love and follow him. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst again. We take this moment and examine ourselves in order that God may reveal those areas of our lives that he requires us to surrender to his redemptive cross. Loving God, by the blessing of your provision, we hold this bread and this cup in our hands. It's come first from your creation and passed through human hands. May we know your presence in their sharing, Lord. With them, we celebrate the life that Jesus shared with his followers throughout the centuries and shares with us right now. We thank you that we are made one in Christ and one with each other. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. 
For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.